he messaged me and he said, hey man, I'm on a backup phone. Just so you know, police just raided my house and they literally took everything. I just wanted to give you a heads up. And I'm thinking, is that about to happen to me? Hello there from a very cold and snowy Bedford. How are you all doing? I've already had a snowball in my face this morning for my daughter, but I will be getting that back later. Anyway, listen, welcome to the What Bitcoin Did podcast, which is brought to you by Gemini, the only place I'm using for buying Bitcoin. I'm your host, Peter McCormack, and I've got a very interesting show for you today. I've got my buddy BTC Sessions on. When I was out in LA, I knew he was going to be there. So I said to him, look, you're the best educator we have in the space. Why don't you come on the show and talk about educating people about Bitcoin? He agreed. We agreed to make the show. And then while we were preparing, I said, listen, I do want to ask you about what happened with the trucker protest because BTC Sessions was part of the attempt to help raise money through Bitcoin. And he was like, fine, yeah, we can do this. And so that ends up becoming the whole show. We didn't even cover the educational stuff. So I will get him back on in the future to discuss this. But this trucker protest is a very important subject because the Trudeau government essentially tried to prevent the protests, which I think are a foundational pillar of a democracy, you should have the right to protest. But the reason it's very interesting is not just that they were trying to close down bank accounts of people. That is super interesting. As a Bitcoin, obviously, I think that's terrible and we should shine a light on it. We do not want the precedent set that governments can close down people's bank accounts. It's very China uh, uh, social scoring. We don't want that. But the interesting part of this is the, I made a show about this before, and I got a lot of emails back in from people who live in Ottawa who actually did not support the protests. These are people living in the city. Now, some complained that it was noisy and a disturbance. I don't care about that. You know, protests are noisy. You know, these are important subjects that people are protesting about. Well, also other people saying, look, they did cause some other issues. There were people trying to get to hospital who worked in the hospitals, maybe doctors and nurses who couldn't get there, or people who couldn't get to a hospital for their operation. So there are implications to these protests. So I, I think it's important that we hear both from protesters and from the people against the protests. I think it's important just to hear both sides so we can get a full picture of what happened. I wasn't there. I wasn't in Canada. I don't know what happened on the day. I don't know what happened during the protests. I, I can't give a picture. All I can do is just present the voices of the people who were involved. But listen, anyway, Sessions and Caribou and some other Bitcoiners got involved in helping fundraise Bitcoin. And that fundraising process also came under threat with that Bitcoin being taken away, being confiscated. BTC Session blames himself for some of the mistakes, but I think he's been a bit harsh on himself. And I understand why he is, but I don't think he could fully prepare for what happened. Now, I didn't plan to make the show, but I'm glad we made it. Uh, I'm glad we got into this topic. If you want to reach out to me and discuss this, whether you are a protester, uh, you are pro-protest, you had issues with this protest, I want to I hear it all. So you can drop me an email. It's hello at whatbitcoindid.com. And I will try and get back to everyone as soon as possible. All right, enjoy the show. And yeah, get in touch if you've got any questions or any points you want to make to me. Mr. Sessions, welcome to What Bitcoin Did. Uh, we've made nearly 600 episodes, and it's the first time we've had you on the show, which is embarrassing, really. Well, we're fixing it. We're fixing it. <laughs> no, I do appreciate you having me. I really do. Dude, it's, um, you do an amazing service for Bitcoin. I think you're probably one of the most important people in Bitcoin. With you're making me the, blush, man. Well, look, your education videos are very popular, um, and you do some amazing work. I remember talking to you about it in... We were in LA, weren't we? No, Miami. Miami, maybe, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and um, it's long overdue. And also it's been long overdue us doing the kind of basics of Bitcoin, being a good Bitcoiner and talking about this stuff. We've mm -hmm. done a lot of shows recently on macroeconomics and philosophy and those things, but sometimes it's good to get back to basics and you're probably the best guy to talk to about this. Um, 
we will talk about FTX at some point because we want to talk about being a good Bitcoiner. Sure. I'm not always yeah. the best Bitcoiner. <laughs> um, so we will get into that. But I'd be interested to know from you, as somebody now spends so much time teaching people about Bitcoin, you mm. probably have a lot of people come to you and say, they don't know anything about Bitcoin. They might be new. How do you frame it now for people? I, so I, I think that there is no one answer, right? It's 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 not a question of how do you frame it. It's a question of who is the person? Why are they asking you about it in the first place? Um, because I, I've, I've kind of gotten to the point where I may not, uh, you know, people are aware that I use and actually live on Bitcoin now. Um, but I don't feel I need to push it on people because people then come, they'll, they'll get curious. They will get curious. So, um, I tend to look at, you know, what does the person do for a living? Um, what are, what's their kind of political ideology? What, um, what is their economic background in terms of their understanding of economics. Um, so it's, it's really different for every single person. Like it's somebody who's a little bit older, who was alive, uh, when, uh, we went off the gold standard and remembers it, um, when Nixon nixed everything, uh, they'll be familiar with rampant inflation and they'll recall, Oh, it's happening again. Interesting. And, and that can be a starting point, but then other people come at it from a, um, a censorship resistant uh, aspect, which has been particularly at home as of late. That was a major item of contention. So there, there's a lot of different ways that people come to it. How much can you talk about what happened recently at home? I can probably talk about it as extensively as you like, if you really want. Well, it'd be good to know because, um, well, you you give the backstory, trucker protests. Yeah. So uh, I want to I want to add a, a caveat to this um, because I know like obviously you've had a, a wide mix of different Bitcoiners on here lately you've you've um, made an effort to have um, you know people from across the spectrum you've had a lot of progressives on lately so there's going to be some progressives that are listening to this and right away they're going to hear a Canadian trucker protest and they're probably going to think fuck those guys wow so for some context. Um there was a long period of time when we didn't really have much representation from the left on the show. Mm -hmm. And some of the comments on YouTube or the reviews on Charterball or emails I got in was like, mm -hmm. all your stuff is right-wing libertarian. You're not giving a voice to progressives. And yeah. we listened to that and we got some people on. But specifically with the trucker mm -hmm. show we made, yeah. we got a lot of emails in. I'm going to say maybe 20 emails in with people who were upset and angry and felt like it wasn't a fair representation of what happened. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess my, before I kind of get into this, I, I want to say two things. Um, number one is regardless of what side of the political spectrum you're on, um, in the context of everything that's said here, zoom out and recognize that the actions that were taken apply equally to both sides of the political spectrum. So if a government can take those kind of actions, which was effectively a flavor of martial law in Canada, um, the same can be true if the next administration is on the opposite side of the spectrum from you and you're protesting whatever, the precedent has been set. So I think it's important that once those tools 
are a-okay to use, they can be used across the board. The other thing I'll say is in 2015, I voted Trudeau in. So it's your fault. Yeah, it's my fault. <laughs> so I so mean, you brought communism I mean, to Canada. Egg, egg on my face that I vote in a guy and then seven years later, I'm effectively labeled some sort of like right-wing extremist when I feel nothing of the sort. Well, I don't know if you saw the tweet I put out about uh, how Americans see me versus how Brits see me. <laughs> I did see that. Because, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm considered a, a, a progressive, yeah. crazy shout progressive in the US and the UK. They think I'm Alex Jones. Yeah. I, I get mean, that. What was, by the way, educate me a little bit here. Uh, Trudeau's father was also a politician? Yes. Trudeau's father was our prime minister back in the 70s. Was he respected? Uh, depends who you talk to. Um, but he... <laughs> Fun fact, he was the only other prime minister to enact the same measures. Huh. Uh, but it was under a totally different context. There were a group, um, there was a, a group called the FLQ, and they were trying to protect um, French language in Quebec. And they viewed every, um, every inroad of English into Quebec, like shops that would have English words and all that. They basically felt they were losing their culture, but they went to the extreme of they would literally bomb a shop if it had a, an English name on it. They kidnapped and murdered an MP. And so okay. Trudeau at the time did what was known, what's now the Emergencies Act was previously known as the War Measures Act. Probably wouldn't have flown over as well if Trudeau now had used the War Measures Act in the context of a pretty peaceful protest. But I digress. Yeah, he basically, the military was in Quebec and they were, you know, searching for the, it, it was martial law within Canada. So what yeah. do we think about that? I mean, I'm not a fan. It's funny because growing up, when I was young, I thought like, oh, yeah, this, you know, st strong, powerful leader doing what he has to do. Now I don't quite think that way. I mean, I, I think that obviously law enforcement has to deal with that. It's horrible what was happening, but I'm I'm torn in that instance. I think like that's that's a dangerous step to take and and yes the context it was it was a scary one but i could I have been know. solved by law enforcement investigations plus um negotiation i don't Who know knows? again it yeah. was before i was born so i i don't know but um maybe in that context more bombings more murders would have happened i have no idea yeah I have no idea but it's just i just find it ironic that um, not, not ironic at all that, that uh, Trudeau's father was the, the last time that that act was enabled. Yeah, I would say they're not like for like situations, and Trudeau's no. use was yes, was gregarious. Yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty heavy handed. Yeah. I would argue. Yeah. So the the kind of emails I got in were um, more like there was one specific one where a guy referred to his mother having an operation mm -hmm. that did not happen because I think something to do with the doctor couldn't get to the hospital. I can't remember the detail. Maybe mm -hmm. she couldn't get to the hospital. But that was the one that was uh, particularly challenging to have an answer for. Mm -hmm. There there were others where it was like, this is noisy, it's a disturbance, we can't get on with life. And I'm like, well, that's the idea of you know, protest. Yeah. They're meant to, mm -hmm. you know, this... Civil disobedience is meant to raise an issue. Yeah. 
but there was that specific uh, case. I I support peaceful protest, but at the same time, if someone needs an operation, there should be a way for someone to have that operation. Yeah, yeah. I, again, like I don't think there's any easy answer here. Hmm. Um, I guess before we get into kind of what happened, what I will say is that um, I. My general view is that people should be able to um, choose what happens to their own bodies in, in really any context. Um, I also, my, my wife is a nurse and she's taken infectious diseases courses. So like, you know, there's, there's Twitter discourse, but she was always my reality check as well. And so I'd, you know, I'd go on Twitter and I'd see all these things and I'd go back to her and say, okay, what makes sense? What make do- what doesn't? help me parse through this. And um, the, one of the things that struck me with her was, was she said, the thing that irks me is that one of the first things we learn in medical school is that no matter what you advocate for your patient. So you give them the best information that you have, make sure that they have it all, they can parse through it. And then whatever their decision is at the end of the day, that is their decision because it's their own body. She said, this is kind of the first time that I've not seen that. Everybody seems to be ignoring what we've learned. And the specific protests related to truckers wanting to travel into the U.S., they had to be vaccinated to return? Yeah, so, I mean, that was kind of the the initial spark because, so the truckers had been making their trips throughout the entire pandemic as is. There was no requirement whatsoever um, they were alone in their cabs the entire time, um, but they would do do their trips back and forth. Um, and it was, again, most, most of the truckers actually were vaccinated. Many of the protesters were vaccinated, but um, they basically said, hey, now you, now you need to have this if you want to be driving your truck anymore. In the context of what, what the, the restrictions were for all Canadians, basically... More or less, if you decided that you you opted not to be vaccinated, um, you if you had a government job, you you were just done. Um, in many cases, if you had many other jobs, you were pretty much done. Um, you could not you could not travel domestically within the country on a plane, boat, train, any form of public transit whatsoever. Sorry, just to interrupt. How how did they prove that? I mean, I can understand on a plane it's easier to have proof of vaccination, but were they doing that on trains? Yes. Wow. Yes. Any form of public transit. Okay. There was a you had QR codes. So there was like a passport system to go into any stores, to basically to go really anywhere. Um beyond that, let's say you're in Canada. And you've, you've made the decision like, listen, I've got, I've got my reservations. I would prefer not to do this right now. Um, and I, I'm not getting vaccinated. Let's say you, you decided, listen, I, I kind of don't like the law of the land. I would prefer to go somewhere else. Our only land border is the U.S. And the U.S. required vaccination to cross the border. You could not leave. You were effectively stuck in Canada with no job and no way to travel within Canada, assuming you like couldn't afford a car. And 
there, there was no way to, there was basically no way to live your life otherwise, um, which is a, a pretty massive amount of coercion into, you know, doing this. And I should also say that can, Canada is one of the most vaccinated countries in the world. And these restrictions were still there. Um, COVID vaccinated. Yes. Aren't there certain jobs that require certain vaccines? To be a nurse in the UK, are there certain vaccines you have to have? Can you look that up? Yeah, have a look. Yeah, there, I mean, there definitely are. Like as a nurse, you have to be up to date with, um, uh, I'm not sure what my wife needs. Like the like hepatitis one? Or? Yeah, like they, there's going to be some requirements. Actually, funny enough, in, in the US, there's more requirements on kids being vaccinated in school and than in Canada. There's no requirements. Oh, interesting. It's, there's suggestions that schools will sometimes ask, but it's not a legal requirement for kids within Canada to be vaccinated in school. And there's certain places you want to travel in the world, you have to have certain vaccines to go to. It's not, not just recommended that you can't go without. Yeah, yeah. Like I've been to South East Asia and yeah. there's, you know, like yellow fever, things yeah. like that. They were, they require in certain parts like Northern Thailand. Mm-hmm. Um, but nonetheless, again, just, just my, my general perspective is I think people should be able to decide what they do with their own bodies. Yes. Um, and I, I feel like that's not a crazy thing to think, but I had a lot of people in my circle of friends that basically thought it was a crazy thing to think. And, you know, that was upsetting, but I, I can, I can agree to disagree with people, but to see, so, so these, these, let's, let's start with, they said the truckers had to do this on top of this, you have an entire population of people, like a, a large portion of the population of Canada that was very kind of upset about their situation. They've lost their jobs in other contexts. They can't leave if they don't like it, so on and so forth. This resulted in, you know, what started as the trucker protest. They started driving across the country um, in the dead of winter, might I add, like negative 30 degrees Celsius weather um, through most of the country. And it was the largest protest in Canadian history. So you had people lining overpasses, cross country, standing on the side of the highway, waving flags. And for me, the, the thing that struck me is, Canadians are a pretty compliant bunch. I just said we're like one of the most vaccinated populations on the globe. For Canada to be the nation where it finally broke, where people said, listen, like this is this is pushing me too far, um, was was pretty wild to see for, for me. I thought that we were the country that just kind of rolls over and says whatever. Um, so like for me, that was a positive thing. I think at any time it goes too far in one end of the spectrum or the other, there needs to be that pushback. Um, so I was happy to see that, but I was also a little disheartened to see as thing progre- things progressed, a large portion of the population basically dismissed any of the grievances of the protesters and categorized them with broad strokes. They were labeled as racists, as science deniers, as um, like just insane people that want to overthrow the government. And and don't get me wrong. And if you have the largest protest in a country's history, there's going to be all kinds of people involved in that, right? Like mm-hmm. it's, it's massive, but I think it's unfair just as it would be unfair to categorize 
other protests that recently happened over the past couple of years by what the worst of the worst did, right? Like, I'll just say it, like, if, if you're, if you're a progressive and you're, you're going to say that the Black Lives Matter movement, for instance, should not be painted exclusively by the looting and, and the destruction of public property that happened, then I'm going to go ahead and say that a group of people that simply wanted bodily autonomy shouldn't be categorized by the one guy that showed up in a crowd with a Nazi flag. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. That guy's a piece of shit. But when you see the coverage on the news, especially in Canada, like it was, it was maddening because I knew Caribou on mm -hmm. the ground. He's, he's sending me videos of what's happening. And I'm literally, I'm literally seeing bouncy castles, families, like, like singing in a circle. So the guy with the flag though. Yeah. Was, was he holding the flag claiming himself to be a Nazi or was he using that to accuse the Trudeau government of being Nazis? Because That's thought, how I saw it. That's how I saw it. And that's it was, not how it was played on the news. Oh, no, I know that on the news. But you said he's a piece of shit. Yeah. But I, my understanding was that he was using that to say, you're Nazis. He's either a piece of shit or he's an idiot Yeah. because <laughs> yeah. that's obviously not how it's going to be perceived. But like, so there, another example, there was some dude that had a, a Confederate flag down there and he was walking through the crowd. So they show that all over the news. What they don't show, which I saw the video of, is as soon as he starts walking through, all of the protesters go up to him and they're like, hey, man, what the fuck are you doing here? Yeah. Get out of here. None of that was on the news. Um, but that was that those are the clips that were just played in perpetuity afterwards. There's another instance where there was some guy that went into an apartment complex and like lit a bag on fire and just like left it and walked out. And that was like tied to the protest. It was totally unrelated. It was never like rescinded or anything. There are all these instances. Canadian news, how independent of the government is it? Do you have anything no, like CBC that? is is fully bankrolled by the government. Is it basically like the BBC? Yes. Right, okay. Yeah, I would much. just always like to pull this up. BBC is not banked by the government. It's, <laughs> yes it's and banked no. by the public. Yes, yes it is. It's different though. Legislate, you have to have a, you, yeah, I think you have to delineate the difference. But it's legislated <laughs> by the government that we have to pay for it. Yes, but it's not funded directly by the government. Okay, so it's not, yes, I, I understand your point. But the point is there's no opt-out apart from yeah. not having TV and the government legislate that we have it. I'm not anti-BBC. I'm just just wondering what is the connection. Yeah, so CBC Thanks, gets direct, if I'm not mistaken, like they get to the tune of like a billion dollars a year, something like that. Direct from the um, government. That either like through taxes or whatever, whatever the mechanism is. If the government wasn't there they would not receive that money. So, do you think they do they not have an advertising model because of that? Oh, uh, they no, they still have they still take ads and everything. Because the BBC only takes ads on international dissemination of content. They don't. Oh. There's no advertising in the UK on the yeah. BBC. It's oh, just yeah, straight still, up TV. You go on CBC. Um, were they the only one? Were they the ones mainly reporting, say, on this flag, or was everyone doing the same? Yeah, it, I mean, it it went everywhere. You, right. We get like CTV Global. Those are kind of some of the major other news networks, but it's more or less. Right. You, you get similar flavors of the same coverage, but. Um, yeah, I just I just feel that it wasn't. I, I was a little upset when when we had our prime minister come out and basically say, again, like fringe minority, 
again, largest protest in Canadian history, um, unacceptable views like, well, I mean, yeah, there's, there's that asshole with a flag over there. There's, there's definitely obviously going to be people that you disagree with and, and maybe that do have some distasteful things to say. Um, but you, you can't dismiss the largest protest in Canadian history as, as simply that there's something more there that a large portion of the population actually are concerned about and want to see a change around. This show is brought to you by Wasabi, who I will now be using to make sure I keep my Bitcoin private. With the release of Wasabi 2.0, privacy is now effortless as a wallet has introduced privacy by default. Now, rather than having to choose to coin join, this can be done automatically. So you just have to receive your Bitcoin, wait for the coin join, and then you can spend freely. All the magic happens automatically in the background, which is a massive UX improvement which you know, that's always something I care about. Now, you do get additional privacy through Tor integration into Wasabi so you don't leak your IP address. There is also no more minimum denomination, so you can coin join any amount and there is no change, so any amount you receive from a coin join is private. Now, privacy is something I am definitely taking more seriously and with the recently released Wasabi 2.0, this becomes so much easier. Now, if you do want to find out more, please head over to wasabiwallet.io, which is W-A-S. A-B-I-W-A-L-L-E-T dot I-O. Next up, we have Gemini, who I am using exclusively for buying and selling Bitcoin. But whilst we're at the bottom of a bear market, I'm only buying. We're hodlers, right? We hodl through this. Now, I have been using the Gemini app for buying the dips all through this, and I've also set up my DCA with twice monthly buys of Bitcoin. Both the app and the website make buying and selling Bitcoin super easy. And Gemini have invested in building leading industry security since day one. Gemini are also running a special offer for listeners of what Bitcoin did. All you need to do is head over to Gemini.com forward slash WBD and new customers will get $20 in Bitcoin when they trade over $100 or more on Gemini. Now, if you want to find out more, please head over to Gemini.com forward slash WBD. That is G-E-M-I-N-I.com forward slash WBD. Also today, we have BCB Group. Now, BCB Group provide online business banking services for companies in the Bitcoin industry. And yes, I am now a customer of BCB too. Now, they heard about the difficulty I had with finding a payment services provider that understands Bitcoin, and they reached out to me. Now, BCB's clients include major exchanges, market makers, funds, and miners active in the UK and Europe, and they are expanding globally. They also have this amazing network called Blink, which facilitates instant free payments between BCB clients for all supported currencies. Now listen, I know some of you have had trouble with this too. So if you're looking for a banking provider who understands and supports Bitcoin companies rather than creating hurdles, then like me, you might want to become a BCB customer too. Now if you want to find out more, please head over to bcbgroup.com forward slash Peter, which is bcbgroup.com forward slash Peter. With regards to the funding of yes. and what happened with Caribou, is yeah, it, yeah. Um, and then litigation afterwards, can we talk about that at all? Can we talk yeah. about the state of that and, yeah. and, and let people know what happened? Okay, so I'll, I'll, I'll kind of walk through the sequence of events as I understand them. I, it's, it's been a ways now. So, you know, this was back February, March. So, I mean, I remember a little. So if I yeah, can fill any gaps. The, there'll be some things that are fuzzy. The sequence of events may be a, a, a little 
you know, out of order, but I'll, I'll do my best. Let's here. start with the GoFundMe. Yeah. So, so GoFundMe goes up. Um, they, they raise a ton of money, like millions. Yeah. Millions. Like I, if I'm not mistaken, maybe like $10 million, something like that. Um, and, and simultaneously there, you know, I think it was BJ Dichter had like a, a, a QR code up. There was a, a couple people that had just put up like a static QR code just, um, to raise a bit of Bitcoin, but then, and that money was to fund the truckers so they could eat and yeah, just work. whatever, whatever help was needed. Yeah. Um, and so a, a ton of money is being raised. And then, um, you know, a lot of Bitcoiners again, lean towards, or at least there were a number of Bitcoiners that lean towards, again, the idea of body autonomy, being able to make your own choices, not being coerced into that kind of stuff. So people started saying, oh, we should, you know, raise some Bitcoin for this. Maybe we can accept lightning donations. So I was asked. Was that, sorry, was that after GoFundMe closed No, not out? yet. Oh, okay. No. So, yes. <laughs> so this was part of the, the, um, I guess what informed the initial setup here. So the thought was, okay, well, they've raised a ton of money through this method, but you know, Bitcoin can, we can probably raise a little bit of Bitcoin here too. Sure. Um, so I was asked, Hey, is there any way that we can set up a page today to accept lightning payments? And this is very early on. This is, I, I can't recall at exactly what point, but I think pre them even getting to Ottawa, the, the truckers, I mean. And so my thought was at the time there was, you know, some people weren't a fan of what was going on, but you know, it was large and, you know, people were paying attention, but there was no thought of where it was going to go at this point. So I thought we're probably going to maybe raise a few thousand bucks and that this is going to remain legal because protesting is a legal thing in Canada. Um, silly me. <laughs> but, and a fundamental pillar of democracy. Yes. Yes. Um, so with those now wrong assumptions, um, I unfortunately, and I'm going to own this right now, I'm going to say I made major, major mistakes in setting up that page, which still haunt me now. I still look at that and go, why the fuck would I have? Like, I, I assumed it was going to be small and legal, but like, I will say it's always best to start with best practices. So what were the mistakes I made? Well, I set up this page that would be able to accept both on-chain and lightning payments. I set it up this way uh, using something called TallyCoin, um, which was an easy way to connect your lightning node to just like an online page and, and set up a little fundraiser. Is that like that? It's almost like a Bitcoin Patreon. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. You can set up a cause, accept donations. Um, and it's all non-custodial. So... And it goes directly into a Bitcoin wallet if it's on chain or directly to a lightning node um, that you yourself manage. And so I set up this page and, and one of the problems with the way TallyCoin functioned at the time was that it actually, it, it does generate a new address for each fundraiser that you create, but it does not generate a new address for each donor. So it's a single static address that everyone was donating to. Problem number one. What happened 
at that point, as time went on, we started getting some decent donations. Um, and then the government, through threats and whatever, basically shut down the GoFundMe and uh, we're, going, we're trying to confiscate the funds. Basically, nonetheless, like everything that went to GoFundMe was frozen. There was a time where they were saying, oh, we're just going to take the money and donate it to other causes. And then there were threats of lawsuits and that didn't happen. And then eventually they had to like actually, if I'm not mistaken, return the money or like part of the money to the original donors. I'm not sure of the exact state, but nonetheless, the money did not get where it was intended to go. So then Give, Send, Go steps up and says, we're not going to freeze your money. We're not going to do any of that. We'll, we will let you accept it. And so already, yes, this is coming in to, to fill the void, but people are starting to go, huh, Bitcoin seems like a better idea because it's you can't stop those transactions from happening. So things start to snowball and they start going quicker. And I'm getting a little panicked. Um, now, at the same time, we're, we've done a multi-sig setup. So anybody listening that's unfamiliar, picture like a digital vault that requires multiple keys to unlock. And the thought behind that was, well, we, we just don't want the, the coins in a single location um, where, you know, a mistake could be made or somebody could get the single private key and take the money. We, we wanted to spread that out. We also had publicly identifiable Bitcoiners basically as key holders because reputation. Yeah. Reputation. There's, there's the don't trust verify ethos of Bitcoiners. Well, who the hell am I giving money to? If, if it's people that are actually putting their reputation on the line that are publicly seen, you know, there's at least there's someone to, to point to. Um, so yeah, we, we had a, a multi-sig going with, you know, the, and I, I, I don't need to like list everybody here. Everybody that's watching will be familiar with who the multi-sig holders were, but we had that set up. Um, we then see the give, send, go. They didn't freeze the funds, but as soon as the organizers went to withdraw funds, the second it hit a Canadian bank, it got frozen. So more millions. Transaction or the account? the account and the, I mean, like the, the money landed in the account and then it was frozen. So millions of dollars again. Um, so fiat effectively the, the, the legacy banking system was entirely compromised at that point. It just was not going to get to people. There were lots of people on the ground that were, um, you know, giving gas and food and everything. Actually that there was so many food donations that it was overflowing and then they overflowed the food banks in the area. So like they, like all of the food banks in Ottawa were just full of nice. food and donation, which is fantastic. Yeah. Like that's a, a great, like, yeah. Um, so at this point it was very clear to everyone that Bitcoin was really the only thing where the money was successfully going through. So, but still a target. But still a target. And now a test. And and then we, so we ended up raising, again, with my, my initial, like the initial goal on the page, it's laughable now, is 10 million sats, like $4,000 at the time, one-tenth of a Bitcoin. <laughs> we, we ended up raising something like 22 Bitcoin. It was, it was over one one millionth of all Bitcoin that will ever be created were donated to a single cost. Unbelievable. It was, it was crazy. Um, I was not okay. I was not, I was, I was so stressed. And like, part of it was just, I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to lose friends. 
Um, I don't know. And, and then the Emergencies Act hit, which effectively, like, I, we, we all didn't know what was happening, what the implications of this were. Like, I, I still don't fully understand what what the the rules of the game were because it just seemed like they were just doing whatever. People, Canadians were getting bank accounts frozen. Um, mine never did, but but uh, BJ and Caribou did. Still to this day? No, not not anymore because the act was was beat down afterwards. What the fuck are you meant to do though? I don't know. What do they expect people to do? I don't know. I don't know. When they, they freeze, and you might not know the answer to this question. When they freeze your account, you obviously can't use your debit card. You can't get money out. Do your mortgage payments still go through? Well, I, I, I don't know, but I don't imagine. So, like, if your bank account is frozen, how no funds would be going in and out is my understanding. So, I don't know. I don't know what you do in for that em, situation. For embarrassing the government. Yeah. And, and so, at this point, and again, this is where the order of the sequence of events is, is going to get a, a little messy. So, this is the part that that I I start getting, like, this is the part where I'm kind of, like, somewhat uncomfortable. Because, again, I, I fully own that I made, like, massive mistakes from the get-go. I'll, I'll, I'll lay out but how hold I on. If you thought you would get 22 Bitcoin, you would have done things differently. Don't beat yourself up about this. Yeah, but I mean, as as a good Bitcoiner, you should observe best practices. Of course, but then there's a rush. You're doing it quickly. You, th- you know, I've raised money before and just, you know, had a single address and just, you just. Yeah, it's just, it was a shitty situation is what I'm getting at. And and I, I think, I hope that everybody kind of watched and will do better moving forward. And I, I'll give my thoughts on like, the ideal, you know, raising money in an adversarial situation, the kind of flow would be now. But outside of that, um, there was, and again, this is the part where I'm going to be weird about talking about it, but um, JW um, is somebody on Twitter. Chewy. Yeah, yeah. So in in the midst of kind of the panic of what was happening with how quickly things were growing, um, and the legal uncertainty around everything somewhere in there. And this is where the sequence is totally a blur to me because I was not doing all right. But, uh, we started getting threat, legal threats from JW on Twitter saying, um, because we, I had done a, a, a podcast with Nick and I think Greg and BJ, and we were talking about, you know, this, this amount of money came in. And, and, um, there had been discussion of like, okay, what's actually needed? Well, there's lots of food there. There's lots of gas there, so on and so forth. Um, but, um, the topic came up like, Hey, a lot of these guys are getting fines. They're, they're, you know, they, they may have been charged with various things. Um, perhaps one idea is having like a legal war chest, you know, to help them out with that kind of stuff. Um, I guess that idea that was floated was not you know, JW wasn't a fan of that. What's it got to do with him? He donated. So And what under what conditions? It, it, well, I don't know. The the thing was called Bitcoin for truckers and so he well, interpreted that's it for as truckers. Well, <laughs> this is uh, so 
What I will say is, so he he effectively said, if this if this money is not handed directly to individual truckers by the conclusion of the protest, I will sue BTC Sessions and you know listed a few names. Why? Whenever his name comes up, it's always for something where he's being a piece of shit. Every fucking so, time. I mean, I've had him blocked for years because he's a fucking moron. But like every single time, he is being a piece of shit. So what I'll say is I, I don't want to sit here and like disparage him as much as I, I do. I, I, okay, fair. Okay. So, fucking. so I'm going to, I'm going to, all I'm going to say is I, I, Given the stress, I really didn't appreciate having that extra shit like dumped in my lap. Okay, you, sorry, very quickly, you don't have to tell me the answers, but do you know how much he donated? I have no idea. I what what happened was as soon as he tweeted that, I said, "Hey man, would you like your money back? We will happily send it back." He refused to reply to that because it was probably like like I don't know, five hundred dollars a bitcoin. Yeah. So nonetheless, what I will say, and this is where I'm going to to basically concede that that action did contribute to a quicker movement of funds that then got into the hands of the truckers. Again, I, I, I'm totally fuzzy on the order of That's fine. when things anyway, happen. So some of the Bitcoin starts reaching the truckers? So yes, effectively what happened is um, uh, there was an effort. And at this point, I'm no longer a custodian. We had begun to move funds out of out of one multi-sig into another. Um, and so at that point, I believe JW, a, a number of others um, had had begun to basically figure out, okay, well, how, how can we actually put together packages? I actually think the packages that were put together worked great. And again, I will concede that the the the, the prodding to to move forward quicker um, in the end actually was a positive thing. And I'll tell you why in a second, but so there were packages that went out to individual truckers effectively like, Hey, this is a preloaded seed phrase. Here's how to load it up into blue wallet and send it into another wallet that you yourself own. Just like, I think there's like eight grand of Bitcoin on it for each trucker. And the, you know, shit. yeah, it was like a sizable amount because I mean, there's a lot of money there. And so it was just going out and, and being handed and like some of the truck, some of the, like some girl that cried and like, it was, it was like, how, so how would you know who to give it to? And someone's not received twice and someone's not been missed out. I, I believe that on the ground, they were kind of trying to make like a, a list of right. like, they were talking to people in advance, like, hey, if we get donations, can we can we bring some to you? And so it basically went something along those lines. Um, but I wasn't there, so I'm not super privy to that part of it. Uh, nonetheless, the part where it got stuck and the part where the early mistakes of me doing the, the tally coin with the static address and it not having um, been obfuscated in some way, this is where it started to catch up with us because as we went to move it out of the initial multi-sig so that it could then be in a place where they could easily create those packages, um, there was a bug in the multi-sig software we we're using. So... And I'll, and I'll say that the the software is is fantastic. They worked it out, but it's just nobody was prepared to be like every, even the software that we were using was ill prepared for this kind of a test. 
Um, it's since been hardened, <laughs> I will say. But we're using Nunchuck Wallet, and the guys at Nunchuck are fucking legends. Um, their responses during this were incredible. Big but, up Nunchuck. Yeah, indeed. Uh, but nonetheless, so the way that Nunchuck works is you have a bunch of people that have keys, and you need X number of keys to approve a transaction. There's an encrypted chat where if you want to um, start a transaction, you basically propose it into that encrypted chat. People see it as a message. You can click on it and then sign with the key that you have. So it makes remote coordination super easy. However, at the time we encountered a bug where you would propose a transaction and it would show for you in the chat, but it wouldn't be relayed to the other members. So there was no opportunity to attach a signature. So um, a handful of Bitcoin around 30% of it kind of got stuck as these packages were being made. Um, and so what ended up happening, again, this is where it's kind of fuzzy, but 70% of all the Bitcoin was handed to individual truckers. And I will note that it was the only online donations out of all of it, Give, Send, Go, GoFundMe, and Bitcoin the only donations that actually made it to the intended recipients. Before we get on to this, the, the other 30%, how did the truckers know what to do with the Bitcoin? Did they get it to exchange? Could they sell it? Were the exchanges then put under pressure? So there were, there were basically instructions of a variety of different ways you can utilize okay. Bitcoin to, to purchase things, to exchange for dollars, so on and so forth. Um, yeah, but it basically walked it through. And it was, I, I read through it. It was, pretty good instructions, I'll say. This show is brought to you by Fidelity Investments. Now, one of the most regular emails I receive is people asking how to break into the industry. And Fidelity Investments reach out to me as they are looking to recruit hundreds of digitally native associates to their team to help shape the future of money. Now, Fidelity Investments is a diversified financial services provider with more than $7.2 trillion in client assets under administration and over 1.3 million trades each day. And they have also been pioneers in the Bitcoin mining and asset management space. Now, they started in Bitcoin back in 2014 when they entered the mining space and have continued to grow their team of services ever since. And their in-house fintech incubator is where the teams come up with innovative solutions to bridge the worlds of traditional finance and decentralization. Now, you have the chance to join them and directly impact how they deliver financial services to their customers. And they provide the resources, training, and development to make you successful in this emerging industry. Now, if you want to learn more about this, then please head over to crypto.fidelitycareers.com. That is crypto.fidelitycareers.com. Next up, it is Ledger. Now, recent events have highlighted just how important self-custody is. And Ledger is the smartest and easiest way for you to take control of your Bitcoin. And the world's most popular hardware wallet just got better. Ledger have recently announced the launch of their Nano S Plus. The larger screen makes it easier to manage and verify your Bitcoin transactions. And the Nano S Plus maintains the same high level of security as all other Ledger products. Now, I have been a Ledger customer since early 2017, before I even started this podcast. And I absolutely love the S Plus. If you want to find out more and purchase a hardware wallet from Ledger, then please head over to shop.ledger.com, which is S-H-O-P ledger.com. Next up, we have BitCasino. Established in 2013, BitCasino was the first licensed Bitcoin casino, and they are trusted by tens of thousands of players worldwide. 
Not only do they have cutting-edge security, but they also have fast withdrawals and VIP experiences that money can't buy. With over 2,800 games and tournaments to compete against each other and 24-7 live chat support, BitCasino is the best Bitcoin casino that you can go to. Now, if you want to find out more about BitCasino, the first Bitcoin casino to win an EGR award, head over to bitcasino.io, which is B-I-T-C-A-S-I-N-O dot I-O. And please remember to gamble responsibly. Also, today we have Leaden. Now, from savings accounts to personal loans and even mortgages, Ledin's financial services enable Bitcoiners to experience the benefits of their holdings today without selling their Bitcoin. Ledin only supports Bitcoin and USDC, two of the highest quality and most liquid assets in the industry. They are also dedicated to transparency and are the first digital asset lending company to complete a proof of reserves attestation, which they will re-verify every six months. With multilingual support on standby 24-7, Ledin is there to support all your needs. And not only a Ledin sponsor, I am also a customer of theirs too. Now, if you want to find out more, please head over to Ledin.io, which is L-E-D-N dot I-O. Was there any pressure put on the exchanges like on GoFundMe? Yes. There was? Okay. Yeah. So, so this is where I would say the failings of the initial setup really came to light. Um, so because it was all donated through a single static address, trivial to see exactly what was coming in, where it was coming from and where it went afterwards, you have a, you have a starting point to say, all right, just start here. And then we see where it goes. Um, and so the exchanges were, (laughs) were effectively just sent a list of individual addresses that just said, don't, don't accept Bitcoin from these addresses or freeze it when it gets there, if it comes from this address. So at this point, and, and I don't know, uh, there was no, my understanding is there was no instruction on like, look back in the chain to see if it at some point went to these addresses or so on and so forth. So um, my understanding is that the exchanges were effectively saying, okay, we'll look for this individual address if it came from that one. So, yeah. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Um, So you get what I'm saying. Um, Yeah, so at at that point, um, there's this 30% that is, we're kind of finicking. The nunchuck guys were helping um, trying to extract that from the multi-sig. And unfortunately, I think it resulted in a situation where, where the credentials to move that Bitcoin were in too centralized a place and... At that point, there was, you know, it, it was removed from the custody of the key holder. Right. So can I say what that is? or Because I know what happened. Yeah. So that was when the police basically raided his house? Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. raided Caribou's house, threatened him. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. he did what probably most people had to do. I felt so sorry for him at that time. He messaged me the second they left. Yeah. And I like, not only did I feel horrible, but I was mortified. Like I was, I was so scared. Um, he messaged me and he said, Hey man, I'm on a backup phone. Just so you know, please just raided my house. And they literally took everything. I just wanted to give you a heads up. And I'm thinking, is that about to happen to me? Is, is somebody about to come kick in my door? My daughter is here. You know, I'm sitting here with my family. We were about to actually leave. We were going down to, I was going to go see 
we're on going on like big old trip. Yeah, we were going to Costa Rica actually. It had been planned well before any of this stuff had started. But I'm thinking like I don't. Do we get stopped at the airport? Yeah, and so, and and I'm thinking like, what are they going to come to my house? Like, what's I don't know. It's it's and this all of the stuff that we've been talking about. This happened in two weeks. And and I'm sitting there going, well, if it's gone this far in two weeks, what's another week? How, how different could it be from then? How much worse could it get? And so I'm running through scenarios in my head where, like, I'm just not ready for this to happen to me. And so I go out to my wife and I say that this is a situation. Let's get the fuck out of it. That's what I said. I said, maybe we should go and stay in a stay in a hotel somewhere for a couple nights before we fly out and we'll see what happens. So I'm sitting in this hotel and I'm thinking like You're a fugitive. <laughs> I, that's, I mean, I t- I technically wasn't, but like nah, that's yeah, kinda, I know what you mean. That's what I, I felt. And then I'm thinking like, Emma, are they gonna let me on this plane? And then I'm thinking, if I get on this plane, there's a possibility I might not be able to come back. Like all of this is going through my head and it was, it was stressful as fuck. It but was, listen, you did a, you did a good thing. You should not beat yourself up about anything. It was a fast moving situation. I don't know. Well, we all tend to see our social media world differently. I don't know what people said to you. I didn't see anything from anyone I respect say anything negative. So I, I think I just take it to heart because I know I could have done better. I know, and yeah. and you know, I what I'd love to tell you right now, and maybe this will uh, be used by others, but um, how what I would have done differently. Well, we will get to that. Okay. What about the subsequent litigation? Can that yeah. be talked about? Um, Is that over? No, but okay. I can. I can. I'm not super well versed in exactly what's going on, but you, you're not um, being litigated against. Uh, I, there's like a, a footnote where they list potential custodians. Okay. Um, and my understanding is that's just kind of like a throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. By the time that litigation happened, I was not a custodian. So I don't know exactly. Yeah. None, okay. Nonetheless. So there's a lawsuit that was launched on behalf of, I think, two individuals and a company in Ottawa that were suing the convoy organizers for disrupting their businesses and their lives during the protest, which I found a little bit rich, given that all the protesters they probably were got there. loads of business, didn't they? <laughs> no, I think they had to. They did have to shut oh. down a ton of shit. But at, well, I mean, some stayed open. They did. Some they did, probably did very well. Yeah, probably. But nonetheless, yeah, a lot of people's lives were disrupted for a few weeks. But the thing that I found rich, that kind of pissed me off, was. The people that were there protesting were there because their lives were fully disrupted to the point where they had no jobs, no way to pay their mortgages, and they could not leave the country if they didn't like it. Yeah. Did, did on, on reflection, did the protesters get anything wrong where maybe they could have um, had more support from the public? Or was was it purely the work of the government and the mainstream media that turned them against them and couldn't, couldn't have done it anyway? I mean, there's probably instances of, of individuals that you know, did shitty things. I think some of the border blockade stuff, um, was, was definitely like front and center. However, that was resolved with regular law enforcement well before the, the emergencies act. Okay. So 
Yeah, I, I don't know. But the, so yeah. nonetheless, that that 30% of the Bitcoin is now sitting in a legal limbo um, because of something called the Mariva injunction, which basically says that this class action lawsuit, it encapsulates every every bit of like all the assets that have to do with something are, I think, effectively must be locked in place until the re resolution of the lawsuit. So I, th I think that's kind of where it stands. I don't know. It's good for the lawyers. Yeah, 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 exactly. Okay, so if you were going to do it again, best practice, what do you think? So what I'll say, and again, I, <laughs> I don't want to frame it in the context of if I were to try and subvert, uh, you know, my government after they told, you know, that's not Dude, the if, framing. If you wanted, if activists wanted to raise funds to support yeah. some kind of project or activism or protest, yeah. what are the best practices? Yeah. So I'll go through it and I'll say that I hope it gets easier. Um, out the gate, the page to uh, receive donations I had not used it at that point, but I've since learned uh, it should have been a BC, BTC pay server, um, the, the donation page. Reason being, generates a new address every time uh, somebody sends to it, plus you can accept lightning donations. All of that is all there. Very easy to manage once you get it up and running. Um, immediately after all funds are received, coin join. Very simple. Again, like had they even been coin joined after they came in from the single address, at least then it would have like, it would have been forward facing privacy, which was kind of what was needed. Um, unfortunately, the state of where it was in the multisig just didn't happen. But nonetheless, uh, BTC pay server, then coin join. The multisig was okay, but I would have had a smaller quorum. We had three of five. So five key holders, three people necessary to sign. I think it's just too difficult to organize and, and wrangle and try to get signatures and stuff, especially in a situation like that where you have to be nimble. A two of three multi-sig would be just fine. You've got the, you don't have a single point of failure, but you can be quick to move things. Um, the publicly identifiable Bitcoiners as key holders. All of ours were within Canada. That's fine and dandy when you're just trying to hedge against somebody accidentally losing keys. But all of a sudden when the government says, oh, what you're doing is no longer allowed, it becomes a real problem because it's trivial to say, well, we know where you are and you are and you are, and we're just gonna go find you. I think the way around that is having publicly identifiable people vet their reputation and vet the key holder, say, I know who's holding the key. I vet them. I put my reputation on the line. Somebody comes to your house, kicks in your door, says, give us the keys. Well, I don't have the key. I can tell you who the person is, but they are not in the country. I think that's how you get around that. The method of delivery to the individual people on the ground, I thought worked fine. I thought packages like that were just fine. The other alternative is is in a situation where something's actually needed, just go out and make the purchase for them. You know, the money's already moved, it's already there, ready to, and just, you know, buy what's needed. Um, 
but yeah, I think the care package has worked just fine. Um, that that's kind of where I'm at is in terms of what I would do: BTC pay server, coin join, multi sig with two of three, uh, vet the key holders rather than be the key holders, and then hand up care packages. So one observation from me is uh, I think you've focused far too much on the downside and not enough on the upside. Your like, head is all in that 30% <laughs> that went wrong and not in the 70% that went right. And yeah. so you managed to uh, achieve more good than bad in this situation. And like, I, look, I'm, I don't know you well, but I know you. We've hung out a few times. Mm -hmm. Like, I know you're a good dude. So I know why this weighs on you, but like you should not like, yeah. and take that forward in future situations, you know, it. but like, yeah. I'm like proud of you as like a, as a fellow Bitcoin of what you did. Cause I think it's fucking great. Thanks man. And I, the, one of the things that really struck me, um, in, in, I think May of this year, uh, Gladstein had me out to Oslo for the, the amazing for the, um, uh, also Freedom Forum. I was and meant to be there. I was in court with uh, Mr. Craig Wright. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. By, congratulations, by the way. It was not over yet, dude. <laughs> yeah. 20th I, of December. Still. Yeah. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm in Oslo, and uh, I had somebody come up to me. Um, her name was Luda. And uh, if not, I'm not mistaken, she's based in Poland. And... Um, and this is kind of going back to what I said at the beginning. Zoom out and look how these actions and how these tools, um, the actions themselves can impact either side of the political spectrum and how the tools can be used by either side of the political spectrum. Luda does work in helping people raise money in post-Soviet states in which there is uh, infringement on people's rights. At the outset of the Ukraine conflict, she wanted to get basic protective equipment to individuals in that zone. And she looked at every possible route and it was gonna take weeks with legacy banking. And then she said, uh, she looked at the Canadian protest and uh, she said she used that as inspiration in which to, this could work. And she was able to get all of this equipment into Ukraine on day two of the conflict instead of weeks later. And that had a huge impact on me seeing, seeing that. And it, it proved ex exactly what I thought. Like, this is not a right or a left tool. This is just a tool for human freedom. And she was able to do something that probably saved a lot of lives. And she used Bitcoin to do it. And she used the example of Canada to do that amazing. and that was like that that hit me that's amazing yeah um trudeau is under some pressure now from i'm going to try and pronounce his name i'll get it wrong poiva 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 <laughs> let's do it a few more times poiva how do you say his name <laughs> pierre poliev poliev that's it yeah he's uh putting some good pressure on him yeah he's um he's coming from the conservative side but he doesn't sound deranged yeah. God, I, I, let me just put some context there. I don't think all people conservatives are deranged, hmm. but sometimes they can. But also, yeah. equally from the left, they can sound deranged. It's just us in the center who are okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Pierre. <laughs> Trigger it, everyone. Yeah, right. Yeah. How many people can you piss off in a single sentence? I am, I'm pretty good at this. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Pierre is uh, 
yeah, he's he's kind of putting on the pressure. He's basically through the entire um, ramp up of you know money printing and all this. He's been screaming that inflation was going to happen and that it was going to be bad and that it was not sustainable the entire time. And now he gets to do a little victory lap, right? Like he's going around, look, look at the state of things. This is what I said would happen in the face of everybody calling me a quack. And, you know, he was right. He was very right about all of that stuff. And now he's beginning to appeal to a lot of people that feel like they're somehow getting screwed and he's hitting on the right points as to why they feel screwed. I like him. I yeah. like him. Yeah, I, I quite like him as well. I, I think I don't put too much trust in politicians in general, but I do I do see um, positives in that pendulum kind of swinging back in the other direction because I feel like it went really far in one direction and you know, we'll get back to a happy medium for all of two seconds before it goes far the other direction. But um, yeah, a, a lot of his points I agree with. Um, and he's a, he's a Bitcoiner, he's isn't a he? He's a Bitcoiner. He's a Bitcoiner. He is. Um, I think he's strategically shutting up about that right now, which I don't entirely disagree with because mm -hmm. we all know the average person has no idea there's a, even a difference between Bitcoin and crypto and everything else. Um, and they just, they, they want to look at, you know, where's the price gone in the past 10 months or a year. They don't want to look at where the price has gone. For instance, since Trudeau has been in office, which by the way is, you know, at one point it was around 70 X or something like this. So like, you know, your, your, when you cherry pick your time frame as I just did, um, you can make any narrative work. So, uh, but yeah, I, I, he won the, um, the this top spot for the leader of the Conservative Party in an absolute landslide, like uh -huh. like almost seventy percent of the vote wow. immediately out the gate. I would, if I had to guess right now, if there was an election, it's probably a coin toss, like right now. So there's a fifty fifty shot that a Bitcoiner would be the Prime Minister of Canada. Which take those odds. Mm -hmm. um, there won't be an election for a little while here. Probably, I'd, I'd say at least a year or two. Because um, Trudeau a little more time to fuck it up some more. Yeah, yeah. That's actually that's kind of what I'm hoping. I think I think sitting through a little bit more of Trudeau might be a good thing because it'll probably tip the favor more in the opposite direction. Go on, Pierre. Yeah, we want you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't know we we're gonna. Yes, yeah, I kind of got on a. <laughs> um, you said before we started that you're living on Bitcoin. I am. Yeah. I remember you telling me that mm -hmm. in Miami. Um, has that been a economically the right decision? Yeah, I mean, it's it, it, it wouldn't economically be the right decision for everybody. And yeah. what I mean is you have to have your shit in order. You have to know what you earn and you have to spend less than you earn. If that's the case, you're fine because... You effectively, you, you, when you get paid, whatever you get, you immediately pay your bills. So do you budget in sats? No, I, 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 so my invoices go out in dollars. They get paid in Bitcoin, in the Bitcoin equivalent of dollars. Um, so I get paid at the beginning of the month. I get that money. I know what my bills are. I pay my bills out the gate. Anything that's left over is savings and it remains in Bitcoin. And now this does something interesting because 
every purchase thereafter that was unanticipated becomes a conscious decision of, do I want to give up my Bitcoin for this item? Instead of, I have dollars, I'm going to buy this. And then like, you know, it's not Bitcoin right now. So the incentives kind of switch and they they can help you be a better saver in my opinion i think somebody else was it max hillebrand yeah he He, said he's been doing it for a while i think yeah and i said i just can't he's like every bull run do you regret not buying more bitcoin he's (laughs) like yeah it's like well then that's why you do it yeah you Um, got dollars you're short bitcoin you got dollars you're short bitcoin (laughs) um Just living on Bitcoin, are there any uh, specific challenges that you weren't aware of that have made you, that you've just had to become aware of? Like, I mean, it's, you're jumping through hoops, right? Like you're, you're trying to find mechanisms in which to pay for different things. And I, and I should clarify, it's not like I don't have a bank account. No, of course. Um, But But you're on a Bitcoin standard. Yeah, but I'm on a Bitcoin standard. And, and so like, there might be things like, oh, I, I use my credit card to pay for something and then I pay it off with Bitcoin the second the charge goes on. Or I use Bitcoin to purchase gift cards for gas or groceries or something like that. Or, and this is my favorite thing, I found a rancher in Alberta that is a a cattle rancher and I bought a quarter of a cow with Bitcoin. Love it. Um, and hats off to Texas Slim and the Beef Initiative because yeah. while while this guy wasn't in the Beef Initiative at the time, it's how I linked up with them. So I, I don't know, things like that. I'm very keen on trying to get more local kind of peer-to-peer commerce, but I recognize that there's there's a ton of tools out there to be able to live on Bitcoin. BitRefill, you can pay your bills in the U.S., Canada Bull Bitcoin does the same thing and Bitcoin Well. There's a whole bunch of different options to bridge that gap um, until you can just do it regularly. How, how did your wife um, deal with the, or is she not? And she's like, yeah, fuck you, I'm having my dollars. Uh, well, she, yeah, she earns dollars, but um, she's fine with it. Like she, I mean. Is she on a Bitcoin standard though? Like, she's not on a Bitcoin standard, but she is earning Bitcoin from me because she helps me with the show now. Nice. Yeah. All right. So she's, she's getting, she actually went to her first Bitcoin meetup, uh, or not meetup, but event. Just re, We went to Charlotte for Halloween. Halloween. Uh, there's a Halloween. There's a Halloween. Oh my God. Did you know Halloween is my birthday? Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I did not know. You were born on White Paper Day. Born on White Paper Day, yeah. Meant to be. Uh, yeah, it was not a good. Not a coincidence. Dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, she she uh, went to her first event and and she was hesitant at first. She got there. She's like, I love these people. So so she wants to come to more. Awesome. Yeah. I'm going to skip a couple of the things I was going to yeah. talk to you about okay. because we've not made the show. We were going to uh, make. <laughs> um, but what I will ask is like, this has been um, – a particularly tough week. And mm-hmm. I know some Bitcoiners have been like, it's not affected me. I bought, I buy my Bitcoin and keep it in store, cold storage. This FTX thing does affect us all. Yes. Even if it just affects, it's like a haircut on our wealth, maybe mm-hmm. even a temporary one. It affects the reputation of the industry. It makes your job a little bit, well, maybe easier sometimes in some ways, mm-hmm. but like it affects us all. In terms of Bitcoin, what are the, like the key principles for you as a Bitcoiner that have been hardened over this last week? Self custody. That's, yep. that's. I mean, it's the obvious answer. It's. I, I. I'm leaning 
towards regularly saying now, self-custody is not harder than legacy banking. I actually do believe that now. The only reason... Hold on, you got to meet my dad. <laughs> <laughs> but the only reason that it's perceived that way is because people learned how to do legacy banking. It's just different. Yeah, it's just different. Think of all of the steps involved with going in and getting a bank account, uh, just getting auto deposit to your bank from your work and the forms that you have to fill out to make that possible or doing any sort of a transfer to another bank. Um, those, those are all learning curves. And there are apps that make it simpler, but the apps that make it simpler are as simple as using a Bitcoin wallet. Well, I think the bit that is harder, it's not self-custody itself isn't hard. Mm -hmm. What is hard is the reality of accepting if you fuck up, you lose everything. You can lose everything. Yes. That, that's the hard bit. You know, we know with our bank accounts, like in the UK, you're protected up to 80,000. Yeah. You know if there's a transaction that goes out on your card, you find out the bank, they instantly refund you mm -hmm. and then they do their investigation. Yeah. We know all this. Going to that point whereby, yeah, basically you need to write down these keys somewhere, hide them, split them, and if you fuck up, you lose all this, that is the hard bit. Yeah. But that's that's that to me is the only hard bit. Yeah. And and really that risk and those mistakes that are made you're you're going to incur the loss regardless. And what I mean is in the world where you get the insurance, you pay for that because the only way that it's possible to insure all that and everybody always be made whole is because there's this backstop where when when the mistakes get so egregious, they just print the money to make everybody whole again. And so you're losing it in purchasing power over the course of the entirety of your life. And I would venture to say that the losses from the erosion of your wealth in a fiat standard far, far outweigh the losses that you would incur from the one time that you would go, I fucked up my keys, and you would learn from that. So people don't like those, those slaps in the face. They don't like those, shit, I fucked up, I got to correct. They don't want that. But what that does is it snaps you to attention and it makes you actually improve. With the other world, you're just asleep at the wheel and they're able to just scrape away your wealth. All right, man. Well, listen, one final question. Why are you bullish? <laughs> Love it. <laughs> I'm bullish because we've just had so many examples of why you should self-custody and why it's important. And again, I'm going to say it again. It is not harder than legacy banking. You just need to make the effort. So if, if I can do one thing with this opportunity, I'm going to say... I want you to take the initiative, anybody listening to this, watching this, I want you to take the initiative and level up your Bitcoin learning journey. If you're sitting on an exchange or any sort of custodian, get it the fuck off, download a simple wallet on, on your phone and just try your first transaction out. You can download Blue Wallet or Moon Wallet, M-U-U-N, in a second and learn how to use it. I've got tons of tutorials for that. Explore hardware. That's like your vault to keep your money in. And then don't be afraid to dive into other things down the line. I don't know, nodes, lightning, all that kind of stuff. It's a lot of fun. There's tons of stuff to learn. So 
Don't be afraid to learn something new. Well, that was what we were going to make a show about. Yeah, it was. And you mentioned the truckers. I'm like, give me the background and then I have to hear it all. So listen, we'll make that one another time. We'll come back on. We'll do that again. Um, We'll probably have to (laughs) edit that (laughs) intro. uh, Yeah, no, fuck it, whatever. Um, All right. If they don't know who you are, which pretty much everyone will, but like, how do they go and follow your YouTube tutorials? Yeah, you can just go to YouTube, search BTC Sessions. There's a ton of stuff there on, I mean, pretty much anything you can do. Literally anything. Yeah, pretty much. And then um, the other place you can find me is Twitter at BTC Sessions, or I do have a website, btcsessions.ca. And I do, like, if if you go through the video tutorials and you're like, I need extra hand-holding, I do one-on-ones with people. All right. And what's your favorite mobile wallet at the moment? My default, just for day to day, for like pocket change, is Moon. Okay. Um, I've I, been on Blue Wallet for a long time. Yeah, Blue is good, but it just, it segregates the Lightning and, and the on chain. And Moon is just I don't know how know, Moon does that. It's I won't get into it, but there's Magic. there's stuff going it's on. Voodoo. <laughs> ben, you're an amazing Bitcoiner. Um, everything you did for the truck is amazing. And listen, keep doing it. And let's do this again next time we're, well, <laughs> keep saying this. We're going to be doing a Canada trip soon. Oh, you got to come up. I'll take yeah. you to the mountains. They're, these fucking Canadians are coming out of the woodwork. Yeah, coming out of the woodwork. Yeah. We will up. come up. We'll come visit. We'll do a show. We'll eat part of your cow. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All right, man. Good luck. Keep doing this. Thanks, man. All right. What do you make of that? It was great to finally get BTC Sessions on the show. It's been a long time coming. He's a good guy. He's the best educator we have in the space. And I will get him back on at another point to do that educational piece. But as we got into this trucker subject, I I felt it was important to finish it. As I said, if you've got any questions about this or any points you want to make, whether you are in Ottawa and you are against the protests or you are a protester or you're pro-protest, I want to hear it all. Um, I, I want to get as clear a picture as I can of it. Like I said, I wasn't there. I do support the right to protest. Obviously, in a democracy, you want the, you you have to have the right to protest. You have to be able to protest against governments. And any chance, any precedent set where governments are closing people's bank accounts down for protesting, I think we have to realize the slippery slope this is. So an important show to make. Um, as I said, if you've got any questions about this, any points you want to make, drop me an email. It's hello at whatbitcoindid.com. Outside of that, have a great week, and I'll see you all on Wednesday.